Hey everybody, welcome to the Atomic Skull Podcast. My name is Matt and I just got home from work. My pants are still on. That is how serious this is. And I am not wasting a single moment jumping right into the Dildo Chronicles because I found out something today at work during my shift that is fucking insane and there is no way I'm not going to talk about it. And if I am super duper late to this and you guys all know about it, do not ruin this for me before I get this party started though. I want to issue a blanket apology to not only my grandparents, but grandparents everywhere. I know I said that in the very first episode, but this is one of those things where I need to renew that apology just so I feel a little bit better, which I don't, but I'm going to talk about this whole thing anyway, because I have to. I want you guys to play a little game with yourselves and take a guess on what you think is the most popular fetish in America. I don't want to have too much dead air in the first two minutes of the episode, but I'm going to give you guys a small amount of time to think about it where I will not be playing the Jeopardy music because it's copywritten. Copyrighted. Cop... Whatever. You know what? The point I'm trying to make is I am broke, and the last fucking thing I want to have to do is owe Merv Griffin's estate money for a joke that's totally not worth it. All right, you guys, the number one fetish in America is feet. That's right, boys. Somewhere Quentin Tarantino just started sweating uncontrollably for no reason. But it's true. I even have a couple of good friends who have admitted to me that they appreciate feet a little bit extra. I dated a girl with a foot fetish many years back. True story. But I think I'm going to be saving that one for the Patreon, which... I am going to start up possibly sometime a little later this year. And one of the ideas that I have for anyone who subscribes, goodly enough to subscribe to to the Patreon, is having one or two After Dark episodes a month. Let me know if that's something that sounds appealing at all. It's one of the things in my head that I'm kind of dicking around with. Back to the topic at hand, or in this case, you know what? I'm not going to say it foot because that is low-hanging fruit. It is way too hacky. I want to talk about a website that I learned about at work just today called Feet Finder. Now, I'm not particularly into feet myself, and I would tell you if I was. I have absolutely zero shame, but it's the way the website works that's sending me. It is like OnlyFans, but exclusively for feet. Here is where it gets crazy. I am amazed at how far you can dig into the whole fucking thing. You can search by the type of feet pics you want. And I'm talking down to the color of skin, the color of nail polish, the part of the foot that you enjoy most. You can even search by accessory or clothing. So for example, you can search for pics that include socks. And then you can search by type and color of sock. You can pay for a subscription to a particular model, male, female, or anywhere in between, or you can just buy pictures a la carte, like a salad bar. You can send messages requesting specific photos and then pay a little extra for your special order. 
I know this sounds crazy, but it kind of makes me wish I was in defeat because the whole idea of the website is fucking amazing. And this is the point of the show where I make a public plea to my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, who I may have mentioned a couple of times before is a full-footed woman, to start up an account because, lady, you could charge double. (laughs) The other amazing thing that I read about the site is that sellers can refer other people to start selling and the seller that referred the new person gets 10% of however much money everyone they refer to the site makes. That's a really nice hat and a couple of bitch slaps away from being an actual pimp. And that is what the new version of the American Dream looks like in 2023. You would think that they're fucking paying me to talk about this website, but they're not. I swear to God. And if you think I sound amazed by this whole thing, you should have heard the customer at work who told me about this thing and how excited he was. I thought he was going to jizz in his fucking pants. And that is what is so fucking crazy about working at the dildo store. I didn't even ask him about it. He just walked up to me and started talking about it for no reason, with no warning or preview. And I kind of fucking love that. I don't understand how and why dudes at the dildo store are so fucking overzealous about walking up to me and telling anyone, including me, because I'm obligated, who will listen to them about what they're fucking into. Unless you played Captain America in several different movies or a Miami serial killer slash blood spatter analyst on TV for four really great seasons and five shitty ones, I'm not really interested in what you're fucking into. Meanwhile, I know I did give the gents who came into the store a pretty hard one last week. Wait, Nah, I'm going to stick with that. We're going to leave it in. No pun. I didn't even mean to do that one. I know that I kind of went all in about how shitty the guys who come into the dildo store can be, but I want to end this portion of the show, the Dildo Chronicles, by telling you guys that by far, I have kicked way more women out of the store than men. So chew on that while I talk about Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise, and probably Scientology. I did go see the new Mission Impossible movie, so we're going to chat about it a little bit. The Mission Impossible franchise is what the Fast and Furious franchise wishes it could be, except instead of family, the focus is Tom Cruise running, which he does in every single Mission Impossible movie. A lot. I'm going to say too much. That's my first critique of the movie right off the press. The flick was like two hours and change, and Tommy runs for one pointless reason or another i swear to god you guys for like 17 minutes of it and christopher mcquarrie who directed the film got every possible angle of tom running that you could want there was a close shot of tom running there was a medium shot of tom running there was a wide shot of tom running there was an extreme wide shot of Tom running. There was a Dutch shot of Tom running. There was a cowboy shot of Tom. I'm not even shitting you guys. I'm not just naming different shots to be funny and kind of a flex. These were actual fucking camera shots in the new Mission Impossible movie of Tom Cruise running, most of which were entirely unnecessary. That isn't to say that I didn't like the movie though. 
I did. While the Fast and Furious movies are getting more ridiculous and making me more furious faster as each one comes out, the Mission Impossible movies are staying pretty hot. This one is well shot, it's well written, and I was super invested. It had a hell of a third act. It was really intense. And it sets up the new movie perfectly. It doesn't really end on a cliffhanger. The first movie, sort of the story gets all wrapped up and sets up the story for the next movie. Really quick, I want to mention how high up on my list of Hottie McHot stuffs Haley Atwell is. You can call her a 90s seafood restaurant chain with a salad bar because she is a sizzler. If you didn't laugh at that joke, I don't blame you. I do want to talk about Tom Cruise overall a little bit though because I really don't know where to put my emotions with him. There's a bunch of shit to unpack. I've touched on Tom Cruise before. I wonder how many guys can say that. I've touched on Tom Cruise before and if I said I didn't like him that would be a lie but if I told you that I did like him that also wouldn't be the truth. Tommy is like that guy who comes around. And when I say that guy, I could be talking about anybody. This could be an uncle. This could be a friend. This could be that dude that's coming around. You know what I'm talking about. This could be the guy that one of your closest friends is seeing. But Tom is that guy that you know that's almost awesome. You know what I mean? On paper, He's fucking great. And even in person, he's fucking great. Until he says that one stupid thing, unprovoked, where you think, oh yeah, that's why I don't hang around him that much. Out of nowhere, he's like, I don't want to see some tranny coming into the bathroom at a Target and trying to look at my dick while I'm taking a piss. Or there's no such thing as postpartum depression. Apparently, he is like, a consummate professional on a movie set and a total gentleman. He never argues with the director. He isn't a prima donna. He eats lunch with the crew. He's told what to do and he does it. On set, he is a total yes man. Well, he did yell at the entire Mission Impossible crew when they were filming during COVID because the movie had to get shut down like four separate times. You can actually Google the audio of him yelling at the crew like they're all five-year-olds. But everything he said happened to be right. They were shooting the movie fist deep into COVID, and despite there being a rule amongst the crew that you couldn't go out after shooting, they were doing it anyway and not wearing masks. Like I said last week, I don't know how you feel about masks and COVID regulations, and unless you have a medical degree, I don't really fucking care either. You know what? At this point, even if you have a medical degree, I'm over it. The regulations don't matter. There were policies in place for the entire crew that they signed an agreement with and then they still ignored them. And as much as I would love to get yelled at by Tom Cruise, I would tell that story for the rest of my fucking life. I swear to Xenu, the way he was yelling at everyone was extra condescending. Correct? but condescending. There are so many movies of his that I utterly love. Both Top Gun movies, A Few Good Men, Collateral, Interview with a Vampire, Last Samurai, Minority Report. I have seen all of those movies at least four or five times. At least. Even talking about it now makes me want to go back and watch all of them again. 
fuck, those are all good movies. But then he starts, you know, jumping on Oprah's couch, possibly trying to brainwash Katie Holmes, goes straight up B-A-N-A-N-A-S on Scientology, talks about how mental health medication doesn't actually work. Oh, yeah. That's why I don't like him as much as I thought I did. But the dude, even still, is a bona fide action star. You can't take that away from him. Man, I really want to watch those last couple of movies. Before I get too far in the paint and I let it get away from me again, let's do something positive, surprise, surprise, and talk about the good things that social media has done for us. I got a couple of good answers from you guys that I liked a lot. First one was that you are able to check on your kids without bugging the shit out of them. And that's good news right? It's true that the phone is an electronic leash, but especially these days, I don't see that as always a bad thing. I don't like the idea of always being watched or people knowing where I am, but it's also nice to just be able to have that peace of mind. Another one that I got was the Zuckerberg lizard memes. Everybody has a favorite meme. Oh, there's our gold star question for the week, boys. What is your favorite meme? And not like one meme with one writing specifically, but the picture part of the meme that you always laugh at. The one where they could pretty much put anything, but you're going to look at it and probably giggle a little. Mine is the Leonardo DiCaprio as Calvin Candy in Django Unchained, obnoxiously laughing like a total douchebag. I have a giant tattoo of that on my upper leg, actually. And if you don't believe me, I posted it everywhere on the socials for this episode. At Atomic Skull Podcast, on everything, by the way. Add me on Insta, Threads, TikTok, Google+, I'm on everything. And then my second favorite would be the Catherine Hahn as Agatha Harkness Wink from WandaVision. Let me know what yours is. DM me on all the shits that I just mentioned or send me an email, atomicskullpodcast at gmail.com. Anyone who knows me knows how much I love a good meme, and I want to know what your favorite visual part of the meme is. And another thing I got sent in that social media does for us is basically the memories portion of Facebook, or what have you, where you can go back and see posts from wherever ago. I've said it before on the show, but nostalgia is a hell of a drug, and it is easy to get caught up in where, what and who you used to be. Don't get me wrong, I think it's important to remember who you are and where you were, but for me, looking back in my own timeline gets a little dangerous, man. I start thinking about people that I don't want to, and then I start missing people I shouldn't, and then before you know it, boom. I am vulnerable, and I don't really like being that anymore. For me, I am going to give you a list of my five favorite things that social media has done for me. Why do I get five? Well, just as a quick reminder before I get into the list, suck my ass. It's my fucking show. The first one is bringing back Brendan Fraser and Keanu Reeves. Two dudes from the 90s who didn't do terribly, but I think they definitely both sort of deserved more. You know what I mean? And then one day, someone online realized that they're actually great. And we all spread memes about how awesome they were until they got signed to movie deals and came back. And now, Brendan Fraser won an Academy Award for Best Actor and 
Keanu Reeves is half John Wick and half flawless human. And the second thing that the internet has done that's great for me kind of goes hand in hand with the first one, and that's getting Betty White on Saturday Night Live. That was 100% exclusively a social media crusade that worked. I don't think I've mentioned enough on the show how massive of a fan I am of the Golden Girls. Since I'm a child, I love that show. Four sassy, horny old ladies eating cheesecake every single time they're depressed. I know this isn't going to help my butchness, but sign me up. Butchness? Is it butchness? Butchery? I like butchery. That's clever. Or is it cleaver? You know what? Is there a such thing as being too funny? Because because I truly feel that I have reached a certain plateau and now it's pretty much just me and Larry the Cable Guy up here. The third thing... <laughs> the third thing that social media has done that's awesome for me in particular is Lo-Fi Girl. Lo-Fi Girl is a live streaming looped video on YouTube of an animated girl sitting on a desk with headphones on, presumably doing homework or something like that, with super chill, laid-back music playing in the background. I cannot tell you guys how much it helps when it comes to my anxiety and helping me relax, particularly when I've had a rough one in my brain as being an asshole, which is all the time. It might sound lame to you guys, but a glass of iced tea or a coffee, turning the lights down and looking at memes while listening to that Lo-Fi Girl channel on YouTube is about the closest I get to pure bliss these days. And there's a bunch of videos just like it on YouTube with different relaxing backgrounds and roughly the same music. Lately, like over the last year or so, for reasons I don't understand, some of the lo-fi music video loops involve various SpongeBob characters relaxing while the music is playing. I don't understand the correlation in all of that, but also, I've never watched SpongeBob. So maybe there's some sort of Krabby Patty relaxation techniques under the sea that I'm not aware of. I have become a total hoe for laid-back lo-fi and asmr videos in general they help me relax an ass load one of my top 10 favorite things in the whole universe and think about how vast of a list that could be is watching my main man bob ross use his knife to paint a cabin or a barn the fourth good thing that social media has done for me and this is going to be my little dive into nostalgia this is going to be my little nostalgia key bump right here i can just slide into an old friend's dm for no reason with no real context and just say hello real quick and catch up for a few minutes or messages i guess and then fuck right off back to what i was doing sometimes you can't help but feel feelings and i might hear a song or see something that reminds me of someone that I used to be close with. And as long as we're still okay, I can shoot them a text, shoot them a message, or make a post somewhere and share a little memory or thought of them. And I can do a little quick pickup conversation to make sure that, you know, nobody's terminal or check in to see if either one of us has finally decided to go gay, which has happened. There was a good friend that I fell out of touch with 
And then when I reached out to her a couple of years down the line just to do exactly what I'm telling you, one of the first things she said to me was, I'm gay now, which I thought was a fucking hoot. Now, as I say it, I'm not sure how normal of a thing it is to just reach out to old friends that you don't talk to anymore for no reason in particular. I'm one of those crazies who just does that. But if I'm thinking about it, it doesn't really happen to me that often. Maybe that's just another one of those things that makes me your friendly neighborhood weirdo. And then the last good thing that social media has done for me that makes me all sorts of happy is that it has brought a movie into my life called The Room. You've heard of The Room, right? If you haven't, I am about to introduce something to you that is going to change your life forever. Firstly, explaining this movie and everything around it is a master class in storytelling and i'm so excited right now to fail miserably at it but i am going to do my absolute best i genuinely don't even know where to start because this is something that i'm truly passionate about and i can give you so many fucking details about this story but i know that i am running low on time and I'm not talking about that Brie Larson trapped with a kid, they escape, and everyone lives happily ever after. The room that I am talking about is literally better in every single way. It was released in 2003. It was written, directed, and financed by the star of the movie, a man named Tommy Wiseau, who is objectively one of the most interesting cats out there. So when Tommy set out to make this movie he listed some of the all-time greats as his influences. He wanted to do a movie like Sunset Boulevard. He wanted to be the next Marlon Brando and Tennessee Williams. He truly believed that he had an idea for a movie with a captivating story that he was going to shoot and take the entire world by storm. He met a man in an acting class that he was taking called Greg Sestero. Cool dude, I've met him a couple of times. And Tommy had Greg co-star in the room with him. Now, Greg is a down-to-earth dude. He was a struggling actor at the time, waiting tables, passing out headshots, and he met Tommy, who was this larger-than-life dude with a personality that you could maybe squeeze into the Grand Canyon. So, Greg agreed to co-star in this movie, and the flick was made. Now, believe me when I tell you that I am giving you a criminally under-detailed Cliff's Notes here. I could spend an episode just talking about the filming of that movie because it was such a dumpster fire. But here's the thing about the finished product, and I am going to make this part the worst of the week. As a dramatic movie that Tommy Wiseau was trying to make with the script that he put his whole ass heart into that would get his name up to the likes of Scorsese and Orson Welles, the movie is a turd. Like, you guys, describing the movie is bad doesn't even begin to tell you what is going on when you're watching it. The story, the acting, the sex scenes, of which there are multiple, the pacing, the dialogue, the filming, is a dramatic movie. It is off the fucking charts bad. There are plot points that have no business being there. Every background photo in the flick is a picture of a spoon for some reason. There are at least a half dozen points where the cast of the movie are all throwing around a football 
for some reason, including a time where they are all wearing tuxedos and they are standing comedically close together, like too close to throw a football to each other. It's a fucking trip man and if you want a quick capsule reference of what i am talking about go to youtube and look up the room flower shop scene and that should tell you all you need to know and when you watch that scene or any scene from the movie keep in mind that this is an adult person trying their best on screen as far as tommy is concerned he left it all on the table but and I'm going to make this the best of the week. Because of social media, word got around of how bad this movie is. And people, like movie nerds in particular, started watching the movie as a comedy. And here's the thing. As an unintentional comedy movie, it is off the fucking charts good. And if you want a quick capsule reference of what I'm talking about, go to YouTube and look up the room flower shop scene and that should tell you all you need to know it is the king of cult movies and both tommy wiseau and the co-star and possibly best friend greg sestero i've read sestero's book by the way the disaster artist multiple times it's about the whole meeting tommy and filming the room and what happened with all of it and i can't decide if Greg and Tommy are best friends, if they don't get along, or if they're in love with each other. My guess is that it's all three. I also have another theory that Tommy Wiseau is Banksy. That's one of those that I am going to roll with because there is no way you can dispute me on that. What's awesome is Tommy and Greg both tour regularly, showing screenings of the movie, and then they do Q&As afterwards. Even 20 years later, when you go to the theater and watch a screening of the movie, it's full. So they're making at least some kind of a mint while doing it, which I think is fucking incredible. I utterly love The Room. And if you don't believe how much I love it, let me share with you two separate examples to back up my statement. Firstly, when I got married to my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, the wedding photos that I took with my groomsmen were of us in our tuxedos throwing a football to each other at comedically short distances. When I explained what I wanted to do, our wedding photographer looked at me. I can't explain to you what she was thinking because she never said it out loud, but what I will say is it's a look that I have gotten several times when I was in high school and then many, many times since then. And Seckenberg, this is true. I included it in the post for this episode on Instagram. The license plate on my car is a reference to the most famous quote from the room, which is, and I'm not going to deliver the line like Tommy does. I could never be that iconic. But the quote is, you are tearing me apart, Lisa. My actual plate says tearing and i got one of those license plate borders special made that says you are on the top and then me apart lisa on the bottom one of the coolest things ever for me was that both tommy and greg reposted a picture of my plate and it got tons of likes and shit tommy continues to repost it a few times a year which i think is fucking pretty cool every time he does it i cannot tell you guys how many parts of the story for this movie that i am skipping over and i feel so bad because there's a lot of amazing shit about this flick that i do not have time to touch on you guys there is an actor who quit 
halfway through filming and they just fucking replaced him. They didn't reshoot any of the scenes for consistency or anything. In the third act of the movie, the same character is played by a completely different person and they don't even fucking address it. I love the room. For Song of the Week, of course, we got to extend some love, gratitude, and respect to the now late and always great Tony Bennett, who passed away this week at 96 Years Fun. When it comes to old school crooners singing those standards, they pretty much all sing the same songs a lot of times, right? The measure of how good you were was how many different songs could you do if you wanted to. And Tony had one of the biggest songbooks out there. He could do pretty much anything, and his voice is gorgeous. Also, something I loved was him coming back in his last few years and doing some amazingly good duets with Lady Gaga. That was definitely a duo I did not see coming. And between it being my hometown and it being where The Room was filmed, we are going to pick one of Tony's best which is I Left My Heart in San Francisco as a song of the week. It's a fucking classic. They literally do not make them like that anymore. Take yourself a quick second and get a little old school on the Atomic Skull Podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. Such a good fucking song. And that's the bullshit for this week, you crazy kids. Something that I love is that I continue to have things I have to push off to next week because I don't have time to get to them. It is always nice to have an abundance of shit to say if you're doing a show like this. You know what I mean? Lots more music shits that I keep promising that I'm going to get to. I will be finally cracking that open at some point. I swear to God, I have been getting texts and DMs telling me that I need to talk about Jason Aldean. So I'm going to be doing that as well. And of course, we have a big movie event uh, just this last weekend. The Barbenheimer is happening. I do have my ticket secured and I would love to be able to talk about it this next week because I feel like I got to talk about both of them together. But I have to see Oppenheimer in 70mm IMAX and it is playing in only one theater in the entire area and between my schedule mrs what's her name's schedule all the other sweaty movie nerds who want to see the exact same way that i do it's sold out at least a week out so it's going to be a while before i get to see it so i've got oh man 10 days before i get to see that motherfucker i cannot wait but I do have tickets to both. They are ready to go, and I will be cracking both of those open as soon as I see them. You have my word. RIP to my tiny flat ass for how long I'm going to be sitting in the movie theater seats, and I will almost certainly be getting myself one of those $15 things of Junior Men's because I am going to deserve it. Always thanks to you guys for the listening and for the support. You know it means the world to me. Subscribe and give me five stars wherever you are catching my bullshit. The subscribing and the ratings are both very important ways that I am told success is measured with this whole thing. So please be sure to do that. I am oh so close to some big milestones for followers. So if you have anyone that you can bring to the party, have them check out my shit and subscribe you would be my total fucking hero. Love you guys to death, and I will be back next week. Apologies to my mother-in-law, and how are you doing? 